this is a podcast. Cool, <laughs> a video podcast. Here's the intro music. Anything goes. Follow up. Okay, Mark. <laughs> okay. Yes. Mark. Yes. We did this series. Anything goes. We did. We did. Okay. Okay. We got through it. We got. Through. We we asked the public. Kind of. Yes. The public. Yes. Give us you. all of your questions you want to know. Yeah. They sent them in. We yeah. got. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of questions. Yes. Um, I'm kind of in my job. I'm seeing all this stuff come in. They're all over the map. They're crazy. Okay. We had let people vote on them. We did the no top control. Seven. No, we, we literally to that, or we else said would have been we, different questions. We hundred percent. We yeah. kept our hands off. Yeah. Very risky. Yeah. I don't know. If we want to do that again? Right. No. But we did it. So the fun thing is, what no, about I all those it. other questions? Because we got right. all these hundreds of other questions, and we thought, let's sit down. And fire through some of the best other questions we got, or that most interesting. Get, that didn't questions. get into the top seven. Yeah, that I think okay. people would want to know. Let's and do let's it. talk to them. Love okay, it. ready to go? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Hopefully they're most, helpful to people. Hopefully. We'll see. Maybe some of them will be weird. Okay. I don't know. Well, I would imagine. So buckle up. If the internet is involved, it's going to be weird. There's weird stuff. In okay. Here. Okay. Number one. This is the most asked or voted on question other than what made it into the series. And that is, how do you make sense of the book of Revelation? That's what they want to know. Okay. Start off with a nice, easy softball. Yeah. Uh, we could do a whole hour on this. Easy. Right? I mean, we both love yeah. reading about theology yes. and the Bible and exegesis and the history of interpretation and all of that. So I don't, I, you, know, you don't know where to start. I mean... The first thing maybe to say is there's multiple, there's many views on the book of Revelation. It's yeah. the last book in the Bible. It's not the book of Revelations. It's Revelation, <laughs> singular. Yes. Uh, it's a, uh, and uh, it's it's literally called uh, apocalypsis. It's, uh, it's a revealing in the Greek. It's, it's not... You know, so often that word is used for like the end or whatever, and it's actually a revealing. It's a, it's a, it's a book that pulls the veil back and shows us some things about the future, uh, arguably, uh, maybe only the last few chapters, uh, depending on what your view is, maybe the whole book. Um, but it's uh, written in this apocalyptic genre, meaning uh, it's not to be interpreted literally, meaning right. you know, the numbers and the images, you're a beast is always an empire and all these things. And uh, it, it came out of that first century, there's literally a genre in the first century called first century apocalyptic literature. And, yeah. These stock images were there, and and you can read. I know one um, one uh, scholar, D. A. Carson, when he teaches at uh, Trinity Evangelical Divinity School in Chicago, he gets his students to read hundreds of pages of non-biblical apocalyptic right. literature that was at the time, because all the images are there. So when you get to Revelation, it's like, oh, this represents this. And so so uh, John's writing, but the point of it is, is it's. It's all of this stuff about discipleship. You know, Daryl Johnson, a guy that we love, pastor, yeah. uh, wrote a book called Discipleship on the Edge. And it's all about the book of Revelation. And it's this idea that it actually has everything to do with you and I following Jesus in the real world right now in the empire that we exist within. We follow Jesus rather than the beast. We, you know, all of that. Um, and so it's this beautiful discipleship manual of being in the pressure like the church was in the first century. And yet it was written with this language so that the Roman empire couldn't just read it and rip it up and blah, blah, blah. And so it's like this persecuted community. You know, oh, it's, a, it's an amazing, way. I would have preached through it one yeah, day. Yeah. And, and because one of, I think these, it, one of these series. One of these series soon, because I think it has everything to do with with our life and what it means to follow Jesus in the real world, to be in the world but not of it. Um, yeah, so. But coming at it with like opening the book with no other tools yes. and saying, 
I will now apply every literal word I'm seeing here. Yes. Probably not the right Pro way to approach Probably the book. not the right way to approach Or that. even taking the book and saying, I am now going to, how about this? Because this is what people see a lot. They, yeah. A lot of people like to get jacked up on, take it and how do I apply it today to events? Yes, right. right. Like, ooh, is this? I read the newspaper. Is this Donald is, Trump? Is this right. Trudeau? Is right. This, yes. Yes. Right. Yes. And yes. Um, and I think you have to be careful with that. Yeah. I think depending there's so there's four basic views on the Book of Revelation. Well, there's four basic views on a lot of things, but um, and one of them is that you do exactly that with it. You read it <clears throat> with a newspaper, and you go look. You know, this bear is moving down from the north or whatever. That means Russia and Putin and whatever. Um, in my interpretation, I don't really think that's what the text is about. Um, I think there are better explanations for this. And in fact, that kind of interpretation has only been popularized in the last hundred years. Sure. Um, and no one was reading it. Not many were reading it like that through church history. I mean, some did, obviously. Um, but yeah, so it does have some end times realities to it, certainly. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's primarily to say how to interpret. Secret code to right. figure out when we're all going to die or something. Yeah, yeah. See, that's a book. See, you could sell a book like that. People would buy that. That's <laughs> Gnostic marketing right there. Only we have figured out how to crack the code right. of Revelation to figure out when you're all going to die. Be that's good, be good to know. Right. But that's classic. That's kind of, hey, let's use the book of Revelation for anything we want to right. talk about or sell right. this month uh, right. about world events. And um, it's. It, I think that's a dangerous way of approaching it because, A, I don't think that's what it's about. I mean, I had this great teacher of Bible college, a hermeneutics prof, uh, that's like the art and science of interpreting the Bible. And he says, the book of Revelation can't mean what it wouldn't have meant to them. Right. Exactly. Can't mean today exactly. right. what it could never have meant. So it's it's not helicopters and, yeah. you know, the chrysalis <laughs> <laughs> shooting worms. They didn't have helicopters. Yeah, there was no helicopters. Right. So it probably doesn't mean all that. Yeah. Uh, these are these are apocalyptic images or ways of talking about certain things and so on that are that are grandiose and and writ large and um, and we have to understand what's the meaning behind right. the thing. Like like when I read yeah. in the Alien sermon that that weird text from Ezekiel that I think people are still confused <laughs> why I read it. No one knows why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's because yeah. it described what seemed like an alien in a spaceship because it was coming down and it had a heart that was and it was feet that came down. Yeah. And it's like this is apocalyptic language a way of describing the presence of God in Ezekiel's world and how he was moving and the presence would move and it was like a fire within a hearth, you know, whatever. And uh, anyway, so this is how they talked or this is how John talks in that book. It's not the way he writes his gospel, but it's the way he writes that book. Um, and we just have to be really good at getting it. Now, Here's what we gotta understand. If you're approaching, you know, oh my goodness, I don't know what first century apocalyptic. Well, there's a better way. And the other piece that D.A. Carson talks about is there's probably not three verses in the book of Revelation strung together that don't have an echo or a straight up allusion to the Old Testament. Right. Specifically, yeah. Genesis, Exodus, uh, Isaiah, yeah. Ezekiel, and Daniel. Yeah. If you could read those books and be immersed in them for a year, yeah. And then you read Revelation. It would, right? Yeah, it would great. mean something yeah. else to you. You'd be like, "Oh, that's that image. Yeah. That's, that. that's that." It's all these 
all these Bible books, Old Testament Bible books coming together, that's his whole world. That's his whole language right. as he's writing these people. I mean, Daniel's a great book for that too. I mean, it's similar with apocalyptic. Yeah. I mean, you get halfway through and you're like, what a great story. This is amazing. And then what's happening? Okay, second one. This is actually one of the other most voted on that didn't make it. Okay. And it's how can you trust Christianity when there are so many denominations within Christianity? You have all these different yeah. kinds of churches that yeah, all say we're Christian churches. Question, yeah. If you're from the outside, you might go, so if you all disagree this much, yeah. then what's true about this? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I put my, I put myself on the outside of, I don't know, atheism or Buddhism or Islam or something, and I go, yeah, I can see that. I can see yeah. how people have interpreted different nuances of Islam, and so you have the different this denomination, that denomination, that one, or that temple focuses on this in Buddhism, but that temple down Five Road focuses on the, you know, whatever. It's like that's pretty natural when your whole thing is trying to interpret the Bible and best apply it in yeah. the modern world, whether that's particular leadership structures or whatever. So a piece of it to me is like, yeah, I don't see it as a reason not to trust it. Right. Um, it's not monolithic. Not everybody necessarily believes exactly the same thing within Christianity. That would probably be more cultish if they did. Mm -hmm. I think the flexibility is actually the, the conversation, as we've seen during this series, not everybody, I don't know if you know this, not everybody has agreed with everything I've said <laughs> during this series from this stage. Right. So it's true. Yeah, and the flexibility of that's beautiful because as we said in the in one of the sermons, in in the essentials, there's unity, right? Jesus yeah. is God, he rose from the dead, the Bible's real, you know. In the non-essentials, there's to be charity. And then in all things, uh, or, or supposed to be, excuse me, in the non-essentials, um, yeah, there's charity, right? And then yeah. what was the, in, in all things charity, in non-essentials, liberty, liberty, sorry. In non-essentials, liberty, meaning there's liberty to believe different things. Yeah. And then in all things charity, meaning we love each other and we have the conversation, we have the dialogue in a, in a loving, merciful way with grace. Anyway, point being, yes, there's Pentecostalism and Baptists and Presbyterians and Anglicans and all these different expressions. I wouldn't necessarily do this, ergo, it's not true. I would just say, okay, they're they differ on the non-essentials, on the things that they're allowed to have liberty in. Right. And that makes sense because they're doing their best to interpret right. uh, an authoritative book. So yeah, what and do you the other, Well, the other option is you have someone deciding what it means and what it doesn't, and then we all just go right. with that. Right. Which is actually the first 1,500 years of, of that's, the church. Yes, that's of, right, yeah. That's Catholicism, basically, right. and then yes. you have, well, wait, are we going to open this up to try and... Right, and, and you're right. And that, our tradition is not Catholicism. It's right. the other side of the Reformation. Right. So we have this open-handed So now, you, now you've given the power away from this people at the top, and you've said, no, every cobbler can read their Bible. Right. <laughs> and all the cobblers Which, go, sweet, and then you get this cobbler to do that, and... This the, person, the cobblers are the all cobblers over the place. The cobblers are going on all over right. the place, right? And that was Martin Luther. He's like, well, let's not put all the power in the hands of the priesthood and whatever. It's the priesthood of all believers. Well, yeah. the minute you do that, I mean, go around, sit in a community, or go around and have a coffee with nine Christians and ask them their opinion on right. something. And all of a sudden you've got splinters and whatever. But the point is that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's, which, it's which side of that coin are you comfortable living on? Because either way, you're making some compromise. Like, yeah. The average Joe does not understand the Bible as well as an extremely learned clergy person who's studied right. this their entire life, right. yes. But 
to put all the power there in interpretation and not allow for human beings to actually wrestle through the Bible themselves, yes, that poses problems. And yeah. so that's where we land, we yeah. sit as our own domination. And yeah, so okay. I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. No, but yeah, not everybody believes exactly the same stuff, and I don't think that goes to the fact that it's not true. Not every atheist believes the same exact worldview, and it doesn't mean that right. it's not true or right. you know whatever. So right. yeah, okay. Um, here's a personal one. Oh boy. I feel like the church hates me, mm. so why should I come? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know this person, so I don't know, you know, their there situation, many, but now, yes. But if I can okay. just quickly say, we yes. did, and if you're watching this or listening to this, yes. we did get a lot of personal questions where my encouragement to you would be if you submitted a very personal question. Right. Um, it was actually almost a little heartbreaking on my end to be sifting through some of these right. because I, it was all anonymous. Right. So there are certain, I'm going through going, I want to oh talk to goodness. this person. Yeah, yeah I yeah. want to actually follow up with this person right. because yes. this is a really intense question, very right. personal to them. Right. There's no way this is going to be something that we're able to hit. It's too, yeah. it's too specific to a person's situation. Yeah. But like, I hope they reach out. Yeah. And, and yeah, so, so I don't know if this person's saying, hey, my... My sexual orientation makes me feel like people hate me, or it's like, hey, my personality is such that I right. feel the church hates me. I don't know what I'd the never fit in. Yeah, I don't know what I the scope yeah. is. So sometimes it's a personality thing. It's you know you hear people go, I've showed up to church five times and no one's talked to me, and it's like, okay, well I know you, and I know that you are like that. You're cold, and so, you don't welcome people to welcome you, and you're blaming the church for your problems. There's that whole. I don't know if that's the person yeah, or if it's somebody who feels like, hey, the history of the church has this theology which kind of uh, is, is uh, mean to my lifestyle or, you know, I, I don't, I marry, I'm, I live with someone who's not my spouse and I feel like the church hates me because they disagree. I don't know right. where this question is coming from. It feels to me so. like maybe it's coming from like the way it's written out and it kind of came in a few times. It's, it's more of the angle, I think, of what you're saying, the second one, like, Hey, I just feel like as a person who's not a Christian, yes, that the church is kind of judgmental okay, or against gotcha. me. Okay, gotcha. Okay, okay, yeah. So, like, sense. even if I were interested in engaging in this, yes, I'm not going to fit in right. because you all have your little club or your clique. Right. You're very judgmental, and so yeah, I kind of don't want to show up. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and the church shouldn't be like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you you would think that we'd read the heart of Jesus, and we wouldn't treat people in a judgmental or a um, we have our little world over here and you can't enter it. I mean, Jesus is the one who who entered into a world that, you know, wasn't what he was involved in. I mean, he was involved yeah. from heaven. But um, so you would hope the church would uh, be welcoming, if, if not anything, right. and loving and walk alongside. And um, even if it's theology with like, like, Take the example of someone. It's you know I'm I'm, I'm a gossip. I gossip all, all the right. time. I love gossip. It's how I feed my soul. And I get up on a Sunday and read Romans one, and it's like God despises gossip. Hmm. And then someone goes, "Well, I feel like I'm being hated." Right. It's like, well, there is no, an element just, of this where we're pushing back on yeah, your life. Yeah, it's like we all need to right. change. We all need right. to transform. That's literally what Christianity is: is a transformation. It's a changing into something else. Um, and so hopefully that's not the piece that, but I think sometimes that's what happens. Right. Um, I feel but, targeted. Yeah. 
Yeah. You're saying something and I'm feeling totally. shame. And I get that. Hence. Yeah. And hopefully that's not, hopefully you hear the gospel every time is that you're, you're loved and, and amazing and so amazing. Jesus died for you. And it's not based on what you've done, but what he's done for you. And your identity is in that versus the, you know, versus even the church collectively. And the church, one of the reasons, and I should point this out on either end of this question is the church is full of jerks. You right. know, the church totally. is full of false disciples, non-Christians, yeah. hypocrites. We're all there, uh, which is why I hope that you would never base your faith on the church because it's a bunch of right. hacks that, have, you know, I mean, we've all fumbled People this. People like me it's, and you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, it's like, gosh, don't base your faith on my, on my life's a disaster. Right. You know, it's, it's not because of me, but in spite of me that Jesus does anything through me. Um, and it's, I, I go back to that Dostoevsky idea of if I'm stumbling along the path drunkenly, um, it doesn't mean if you ask me the way home and I point it, it's any less the way. It's just I'm, I'm drunk and I'm fumbling around here. doesn't mean that's not the right path. It's a category mistake to say because the church is bad at this, ergo Jesus must not be Right. must not be true or what the church is saying isn't true. It's just that right. the church is full of imperfect people desperately in the need of the grace of God, which is yeah. maybe why they're there. I mean, I remember right. a phone call I got in our first year of church. A guy's like, your, your church, I can't believe these Christians. The guy parked his car on my front lawn and the guy's like, get your car off my front lawn. And the guy gave him the middle finger and said, F you, I'm going to church. And it was like, I can't believe Christians act like that. I'm like, dude, I don't know that this guy's a Christian. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, just because they're coming to the church, like, doesn't mean he, you know, maybe he was a Christian, whatever. But I'm just saying, um, we're all in this flux of, don't look at how Christians are being jerks to you or whatever and think. Now, of course, it's our job to go village. You gotta be more welcome. You gotta be more yeah, loving. You gotta be, you gotta love and serve and wash feet and what's your problem? What are you doing? Why are you being cold? Why are you being cliquey, you know, whatever. So anyway, what are your yeah. Well, we don't control people. There's another Yeah, I wish cult. we could. So we can't. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't like dictate to be here or you're out right and you yeah. have to do exactly this. Like, that's ran, not this yeah. right it's more organic and so it's people who are yeah. messed up voluntarily being told to do things they don't want to do yeah and that's you know the sin in their life and changing that yeah so it's gonna be pretty messy yeah and that's you know but i get the yeah. idea of like the posture of church historically i mean for sure but i think there's something to that of yeah some churches aren't good at that you know they're Right. They are pretty standoffish and closed and judgmental. I think yes. we want to be the kind of church where a person in their actual experience that's is it something different than Yes. That, right? So if this is a call we to will village church, you. as we say, when you come on Sunday, it's not just for you and your family to hang out. It's like you're showing up to right. do ministry. You're showing up to welcome people, be loving, be outward focused. Um, this is a day you can meet new people, invite people over for lunch, go out with people, buy them lunch, you know, whatever. This isn't come late leave early, run to your car, autonomous, yeah. you know, church, it's like Christian life. This is like, come on, let's go. Yeah, so if you're we part of Village Church and you're listening to this, watching this, it's like, don't be a do jerk. better. Yeah.